You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Hey, Colorado, Chris Lopez here, and this is your May monthly market update for what's going on in Denver, Colorado Springs, and Pueblo. I've got my panel of experts here. We're going to go through and talk about some high-level stats, what we're seeing in the market, and what opportunities are going on there as well. So I've got Preston Newberry with Envision Advisors talking Denver. What's up, Preston? How's it going, Chris? Thanks for having me back. Really good. We got Jenny Bayless down south with the Envision Advisors for Springs and Pueblo. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Chris. And we got Travis Speer with Renovo Financial. Travis, how are you? Very good, Chris. Thanks again for having us here. Of course. Last but not least is Joe Massey with Castle & Cook Mortgage. Joe, always glad to have you in the studio. Great to see you guys. Excited to chat about this month. It's uh, nice to have some changes. So I'm excited. Yeah, It'll feel a, a little different than last month. About. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we got new numbers. Yeah. Preston, kick it off, man. Give us the high-level rundown of what's going on in Denver metro area, please. Things are changing. We got a lot of stuff happening in the market right now, man. It's been kind of crazy and happened in a hurry. Um, inventory's up. You'll see a lot of headlines around that. Um, DMAR saying increased inventory 76% over this time last year. Now, keep in mind, we're going from almost no inventory to an increase of 76%. So yes, we have more houses on the market. We're getting there, but we're still at a 24% from where we historically normally would be this time, you know, in, in May. So, um, things are definitely changing. There's more inventory coming on, but I'm excited for buyers because this is going to be a good opportunity for them. Th seeing things get back to normal, right. You know, kind of back to where things were in 2018 before the world went crazy. And I think it's going to be, uh, be a good for our market. How, what's the total like inventory on the market now? Cause that's 76%. That's a big percent change. So now we have 3,600 active listings on the market, you know, at the end of the month. So, you know, we went from having 800 on the market to now we've got, you know, 3,600 or whatever the difference is, but, um, you know, still giving buyers some options and it's giving them some opportunity that they may, might not have had. What about prices? Like prices, premiums, what uh, what do you see on that front in Denver? I mean, the average home price in Denver right now for detached homes is up to $805,000. That just like blows my mind. That blows my mind. And the other thing to think about too is the even though the market is kind of slowing down and there's more inventory, <clears throat> prices are still going to keep going up. They always do. They have, and we're not expecting to see them. You know, slow. We're expecting to see them slow down, but we're definitely not anticipating any major price corrections. Right? Any any drops in price? Mm -hmm. Jenny, what about down south? Same thing, different numbers. So our our median sales price went up to 487. So that is about a one and a half percent increase uh, month over month. Um, average sales price dipped, you know, a tiny a tiny bit, a half a percent down um, to to 548,000, which I think is wild to me. Um, but the most meaningful uh, stat this this month is active inventory. It went up about 300 units, um, so from 700 to 1,000. And every little bit counts, so we'll take it. Um, so but it's still not enough. Thirty percent increase. Sorry, you saw about thirty percent increase inventory down there. Mm -hmm. And we saw seventy-five yep. percent. So it, it's wow. We're always, you know, a little slow to follow you guys. So maybe next month I'll have <laughs> I'll have seventy thousand or seventy percent to report. Um, and then you know, same thing. Month supply. We're still less than one month supply. So it's just not enough. Um, but just anecdotally, we are definitely seeing a change. I think it was 
I don't know if it's just kind of um, general feeling or, or what, but um, we're having listing agents call us if we show a property. Um, yep. And, and <laughs> wait, like, what, hey, what are you guys? This? Are you guys gonna? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas a year ago, you know, we couldn't even get a hold of a listing agent if we're going to submit. <laughs> a massive offer. So it's just very odd. It's just, yeah, it, there's definitely a change um, in the atmosphere for sure. And it came quickly. Mm-hmm. What about, what about Pueblo, Jenny? Mm-hmm. Just like high level, you shared Springs data. What's the pulse on Pueblo? So same thing um, in terms of competitiveness. Uh, Leah was able to get a, um, a, a duplex under contract at list. Um, same thing. Her client, you know, wanted to kind of make sure that the the details were worked out appropriately um, on the contract, which is different than you know usually just hey let's write a contract really quickly we can amend it later. Um, she actually had time to think through things. The the listing agent was following up um, with Leah. You know, just like hey, what's actual can we do? communication it, between both sides before you got under contract? Yes, <laughs> yes, and there was yeah. Um, you know, I guess some things in their counter they were able to work through. It wasn't a take it or leave it situation. So um, just a very different feeling. I think is just more relaxing a little bit for for everybody um Absolutely. i think just yeah the, the foot's off the gas a tiny bit and that that leads into well because as we're pre- preparing for this joe walks in i was like what are we talking about joe's like i am happy man good Dude, times pumped. are here yeah tell us why so i want to you guys know i love love to work in analogies let's say you're driving in a car Preston, you drive a race car yep and you're going down the highway or down a racetrack at 130 miles an hour and you slow down to 100 miles an hour. You have slowed down, yes? Significantly. But are you still going really fast? You're still going really fast. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I think some people in the media are missing is, oh my God, the market is slowing way down. That's true, but it's still going really fast. But the perception is from a lot of people out there, oh my gosh, things are crashing. It's time to freak out. This is the bubble. Oh no. It's not a bubble. Yeah. It's not a bubble. We slowed down from 130 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour, but the messaging out there is so negative and so stop, don't buy anything, you know, wait for interest rates to come down, wait for prices to crash. You're a first time home buyer. You got to wait, wait, wait. The message that I'm reminding people, this is way different than the last time we had a housing market slowdown. All right. This is going to an appropriate level, right? Like what Jenny was just describing, talk to the listing agent. We negotiated on a few things. We had conversations. We wrote a good contract. That's the way the real estate market has always worked, except for the last three or four years, Yeah, right? That's normal. We just have this short-term memory that the last three or four years is real. The last three or four years have been abnormal. So I'm super excited for things to get back to the way it was in 2018, 15, 12, et cetera. And so let's talk about that because I mean, obviously, you're you guys are lending. You are all buyer side, yeah. Um, you know, buyer refinance side. We are envisioning a predominantly like buyer Buyers, side yep. too with our investors. I mean, how does this impact all the deals that we're doing from the buyer's perspective? Like, is that good news for the buyers? Bad news for the buyers? Like, what's what's the perception you guys are seeing out there? I- I think it's great news. And from the agent side of things, it allows us to actually do our job, right? And not just go to our clients and say, 
okay, you got to throw the kitchen sink at this deal and maybe we'll have a shot at it and get rid of all your contingencies and put everything you have on the table instead of actually having the ability to like negotiate a deal and like put something together that's good for both sides. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think this is, this is a transition, right? We're yep. moving from an abnormally strong seller's market to a not as strong seller's market remains to be seen. If we'll move to a buyer's market, I doubt it. And I'm Definitely curious on, your, curious on your opinion, Travis. But this is an opportunity during this transition that a buyer can purchase a property at list price. They can still take advantage of the increased appreciation we're likely to have over the next 12 months of 10%, 12%, or maybe 7%. It's still a great opportunity. And what's happening on the listing side, you have oftentimes an inexperienced listing agent who has only been in the business for three years. They only know how to list a property and get a $50,000 premium. They don't know how to coach their seller through this time. And it's a really good opportunity for buyers that have great representation, not to take advantage of somebody, but to get a fair deal. This is yeah. a great time in the market. Yeah. It, you, know, you, you talk about the being exciting for buyers. And as you just talked about listings a little bit, you've come to this expectation, if it's not gone the first day or the first weekend with 30 offers, then, oh my God, there's a problem. Something's wrong. That's yeah. really good for buyers, right? Because it maybe leads somebody to think, oh gosh, you know, we're in week two here. We might need to consider taking a lower offer or throwing some contingencies or, or taking some concessions. But, um, but you know, speaking to the sellers a little bit, maybe you don't have to, maybe you just wait a couple more weeks. Maybe I'm not saying the market's going to necessarily come to you, but if you're priced appropriately, which has always been my message priced appropriately, mm -hmm. you're going to get a deal. Right. And maybe mm -hmm. it takes 30 days, not the end of the world. You always have the opportunity to take a lower offer or to lower the price. Uh, but good, I think it's a good time for sellers too, because it did slow down a little bit. The mm -hmm. house might last through the weekend. And while that may not sound like a positive out of the gate, I think it leads to less contracts that fall out because those right. who look at the properties are more serious. They're making more serious offers and they're more likely to get to the closing and maybe have the opportunity to see the house twice and not just in a 15 minute window, right? Right. How many times over the past three years, Preston, I'll put you on the spot. This yeah. probably didn't happen to you because you're pretty good with your, with where you're really good with your clients. But somebody goes and looks at a property. They get so excited. They make an offer. They get it under contract. Then they go back and look at the inspection, which mm -hmm. is when they really get to spend two hours there. And they're like, the couch isn't going to fit. The closets are too small. Yep. And they start getting cold feet, right? How often does that happen? How, I mean, it, ha do it happens a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that again goes back on the agent side of things of trying to help, you know, educate their clients as quickly and, and you know, as they can with what the market's going on and say, hey, you know, let's get get all these details worked out and know exactly what we're looking for and what's going to fit for us. But now you have the opportunity to like, again, breathe for a second spend more than five minutes in a house without a line of 15 other agents and buyers outside of it. Right. And you can actually have your 30 minute or 45 minute showing window and like go through all those things so that you don't have those problems because I've, I've had buyers do it. Absolutely. And I've had mm -hmm. the same issue happen on listings. You know, mm -hmm. everybody gets so excited, even the sellers, Oh man, we got this great offer. Like these guys are really strong. And then they don't even deposit earnest money because the clients go back and they're like, Oh yeah, this isn't going to work. You right. Know? What we're um, going to go to is, hey, we can go look at five or six or eight homes on a Saturday. We can go back on Sunday and look at our two favorite. Mm -hmm. We can make an offer on Sunday evening. We can be under contract on Monday. And exactly what you said, it's going to lead to fewer contracts falling out because yep. you don't have this pressure on the buyers. Well, and I think the other thing too, that people definitely need to be conscious of is as Travis mentioned, appropriately pricing your properties now, right? Yeah. Because you can't just kind of throw it out there, you know, even higher than you think it might be worth and know that you're going to have right. 20 people come through over the weekend and somebody's going to buy it. You know, I think that it's going to go back to a market where you have to price your property accordingly. You have to 
wait for the right buyer, right? That's the thing that that sellers also need to understand. Again, talking to one of your points is that, yeah, it might take two weeks, but you're looking for the right buyer, not just any buyer right now. Yeah, I saw some feedback a couple of weeks ago on, on a forum of some uh, agents that who are representing the buyers. Uh, the property maybe sat for two weekends and they made an offer below ask. And the listing agent was like, we we're really looking for an offer above ask. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, well, and not okay. just above ask. They yeah. wanted like 50 grand significantly. Over. Yeah. Over, right. And it was just like, this doesn't make any sense. And, and that's just a really bad coaching of that, um, that agent to uh, the listing agent to their, to their seller. I mean, you know, there was a time where I think you'd say, Hey, we're going to list it and we'll see what happens. We, yep. we might get lists. We might get a hundred over and that was okay. But as things change, you really got to stay ahead of it. Which and I, th- I think that comes down to representation. Sure. It's absolutely. so critical to be well represented by a Preston, by a Jenny, by anybody on the Envision Advisors team, because we see misrepresentation all the time. For sure. Yep. And it's scary. It's all about the team. Yeah. So one thing I make sure everyone knows, we are highlighting some numbers and stats in here. We're going less people sleep like stat, stat, stat. All those stats are on the uh, blog notes for Denver, Pueblo Springs. If you want to do a deep dive in numbers, check out the show notes in the link. We're giving this more commentary, a little more lively and contextual. And I want to throw a question back your way, Travis, because as we're chatting, chatting before we hit the podcast, record button, the podcast, you were telling us about the difference you've seen in investor reactions to rising interest rates versus owner-occupant reactions to rising interest rate. Can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, I'd love to. And as we as we jump into that, I want to share one thing that I saw in the, the stats here that from 1985 to 2007, the owners tend to stay in their house for five to seven years. And from 2008 to 2022, owners are staying in their houses for 11 to 13 years. And the reason I bring that up is because as we talk about interest rates, interest rates over the last, uh, up until about February, the two years previous, in some cases were as low as two and a half percent on some uh, rates. So somebody who got into a house at that time, a couple of years later, why would they move? I mean, the rate right now for owner-occupied is still above five, right? Or yeah, right five about, and a quarter, yeah. five and a half, yeah. on the day. So you're talking about a, maybe not only an increase in price to move, but also a significant increase in rate, which will, will, which will increase your carrying costs or your monthly payment. Now to your specific question, what we were talking about is when rates ran, gosh, probably almost two and a half percent, 250 basis points in a, over about three months, I would say from uh, kind of December uh, through maybe early March, uh, yeah. that's when rates really ran. And investors were caught off guard, but they were quick to react and say, okay, well, this is the market rate. This is what we have to do to get our deals done. We're going to continue to buy rentals. Maybe we have to put more money down or show more income through taxes or whatever it is for qualifying purposes. On the owner-occupied side, I think it's a lot slower to accept that. I think that people got approved in December, January, February. It's been super competitive out there. So you've been walking around with your 3.5% rate sheet, and you're making offers based on what the lender told you that you could buy at. And now you're in, say, May, and you go make an offer on a house, and and you're over whatever it is, but now your rate's five and a quarter, and that significantly changes your purchasing power. And I think it'll take a little longer, like maybe another couple of months for owner-occupied uh, buyers to to acknowledge and accept the higher rate. And I think once they do, then it's like business is normal, right? This is just yep. the rate. This is my purchasing power. But what it is what it is. Yeah. What scares me a little bit is the stat about people kind of getting locked in, if you will. I mean, uh, my wife and I talk about- What do you mean know, locked in? Um, locked into the house and, the, and your rate. You know, it's like, hey, if, if you're locked in at 3% and, and if you're going to move and move up, so higher mortgage amount and go two points, two and a half points in rate- uh, that changes your payment significantly. And I wonder how that'll affect inventory. But 
the other side of that coin is most of those people that have been in those houses that long, how much equity do they have? For They're sure. Sitting on a giant pile of cash, right? So that's going to change that situation a lot. Okay. Maybe you're not putting 5% down now. Maybe you put 10% down, but guess what? You still have the cash from right. the equity of your current property to do that and get the payment where you want to get it. Depending what, on what they did with that cash out refinance. In That's 2020. True. <laughs> and you know, and if, I think what you say is very true that, you know, a lot of people are like, I have a two and a half percent rate. I'm never moving. I heard somebody say that to me the other day and I didn't question her. I said, of course, that's a, that's a great plan. Great plan. You should always stay there. But here's the reality. People don't move or stay in their home because of their interest rate. Fair. People move or stay in their home because of all the emotional reasons, right? I am pregnant and I'm having a, a child or twins and I need more space. I have a child leaving for college. I need less space. Um, I'm being relocated for my job. So I think there's a short to medium term impact of that. Sure. But long term, you know, I've seen people sell homes with in the past, a 4% rate and buy a new property at a 6% rate because they were pregnant and they were having twins. I think in the short term, you're spot on, sure. but long term, yeah. that becomes less and less of an impact. And it's more of just a, oh, I hate to lose my two and a half percent rate, but you know, we're getting, being relocated. We got to do it. We don't have yeah. a choice. Yeah. Pe yeah. People will transact for the reasons they transact, but you're, you're definitely spot on yeah. in the short to medium term. Have you noticed the same sentiment, Joe, like with your, with your, uh, with your clients on the loan side, like a different reaction between investor clients and owner occupant clients, as like Travis was mentioning? Absolutely. My okay. investors love this market. My oh. investors are like, this is the greatest thing that has happened to us in the last four years because now they're not having to make competitive offers. They understand that an investor rate is 5.8 or six or six and a quarter, depending on how much they're putting down. They don't care. I mean, they care, but they understand because they're getting appreciation, debt reduction tax benefits and principal pay down that far outweighs if you're getting a 35% ROI that far outweighs a 6% interest rate. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so and that's because investors treat it like a business, like we were talking about before the show, right? Yep. I mean, they understand it. Like these are the terms. This is what I have to do. This is what I'm doing. If I want to make a deal happen, I have to accept that. Right. Yep. And that's a little bit harder of a pill for, you know, regular residential buyers to swallow right now until Absolutely. they get more comfortable with it over time. Yeah. So investors listening right now is a terrific time because there are some residential buyers that are not competing just because they're yep. scared and they'll be back in 90 days. Jenny, what do you think? Do you see that with your investors? I totally agree. Um, we are seeing like turnkey fourplexes just fly off the market still. Um, there's no difference between now and a couple months ago in terms of, you know, well-priced multifamily properties. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of if you want to be a single family investor, I mean, yeah, look at, look and see what's still available come Monday. Um, you might be able to take a breather and actually, you know, run the numbers and, and, and make a, a more fair offer. Um, so absolutely. And I think the same thing is, um, you know, that I kind of think about is that for investors, you're constantly buying. So, you know, I'll think back like, oh man, I wish I could have bought hundred properties when I first started buying. That's not feasible. You know, you just kind of dollar cost average. Um, so same thing with price and rate, I think. Couldn't and agree more. Yep. Jenny, talk about price drops. Like what do you see in terms of like price drops for active inventory on the market? Yeah, so that was kind of what um, interested me this month is is, is price drops. So um, I, I just found out that apparently PPAR publishes price drop uh, statistics, which is really helpful. Um, so just kind of looking at the median price point uh, bracket, so four to five hundred thousand. Um, 
there were 220 things and 98 price reductions, which is crazy Sorry, to say me. Say those numbers um, again. But the average percent. Yeah, so there was 228 listings. Okay. And 98 of those had a price reduction. Oh, wow. But the average reduction is only 2.3%. And out of curiosity, so Jenny, that of I thought those was transactions, do you know what the average um, <clears throat> above or sold price above asking was? I don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just well, curious. I know no. in Denver, we've been like, uh, I, I don't like to this, but we've been like 5%. Above like five percent premium. So so in April it was six point nine, in May it was uh five point six or five point three. So we're definitely seeing that come down a little bit, but I was still surprised to see that many transactions still selling over list price. Can I comment on that though? Absolutely. When did those transactions go under contract? April. Maybe even March. Yep. Right? March, yeah. April, people were still paying bidding a premium. They're closing now. That's always gonna be a trailing stat. Mm-hmm. I'll bet when we get to June, July, it's gonna be very close to hundred percent list yep. price. But, but, you know, sometimes I think it's missed there is in June and July, you paid a hundred percent of list, but it was still 10% over whatever the price it was in January. In January whatever, right? right. Like, <laughs> it's just like, just because it's, uh, those, those, we kind of get locked in those percentages, but you know, it said here that the prices have already gone up 14% in six months. So we're, we're on track for a 28% year over year price increase. Like, I don't think that's what happens, but you know what, if price, if prices fell 5% in the next however many months, which I think we'd all agree, isn't going to happen we'd still be almost twice the historical appreciation of Denver. So, you know, in context, things slow down a little bit. There's a little more inventory. It's better for people to get out there and make offers, but that's no indication as uh, to where, you know, prices are falling off or, or you're going to get some deal for sure. And we have often forgotten to mention the seasonality of this. The Mm -hmm. bulk of the appreciation happens in the first six months of the year. Right. Right. That if you have a 20% run up, 18% 18% of it happens in the first six months. And then you have only have 2% appreciation in the second six months. Then the next year, guess what happens from January to June? That's when you get the bulk of your appreciation, right? right? We're reaching the tail end of that, which is, again, why I'm excited for my buyers. This is a great time to buy. We've got a lot of good good things coming together, a lot of good synergy here um, on the buyer side of things with you yeah. know market and seasonality and everything else. Preston, what are you seeing in terms of like properties coming back on the market? So they're active, they're live. They go to contract and then they're back on the market. So I don't have a stat for that here, unfortunately, but I can tell you just from getting my notifications and looking in the MLS every day, there's a significant amount of more properties coming back on the market, um, you know, even within a few days of going under contract. So whether that, again, is buyers that, hey, we liked it over the weekend and then all of a sudden, you know, got cold feet or, you know, now that buyers have an opportunity to negotiate with sellers and sellers are still not wanting to do stuff on inspections. And then the deal goes back on the market. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that lead to that, but we're definitely seeing a significant amount more of, uh, properties coming back on the market. And any ideas why? It's so hard to say. I think it's just part of the changing market right now. Everyone's still trying to figure it all out. And I think that there's just a lot of things, you know, that can go go on in a deal um, that would make it come back on the market. I'm curious how many people have like their pre-approval from January, February, go to contract, <laughs> then sit down with their loan officer and are like, oh crap, like the payments come up way more or yeah. they can't afford it. Like, I wonder how much is just yeah. that, like that shock yeah. of interest rates have gone up. I also that actually happened to um, a, a, an Envision client was able to swoop in and purchase a property um, in Colorado Springs or go under contract on a property because the original person that was under contract um, backed out due to financing the first two days, which to me indicates they didn't like their new rate. Um, 
So yeah, we were able to to get that one under contract. I also sometimes wonder, and Joe, you and I have talked a lot about this, uh, especially last year when I was buying a, a few properties, is you when you go above the appraisal gap, if you don't have a great lender who can explain that to you, I think they bid over. And then come Monday, it's like, oh, well, you've got to cover the 40 over. But that's actually not true because you might actually get it to appraise 40 over, in some cases, maybe 50 over. So mm-hmm. you don't actually have to cover the gap plus your down payment. And I think when you don't have great representation in that space, you might have had that emotional Sunday night. We're yep. going to get this thing. What's it going to take? And then the, your lender might say, well, hey, you're 40 grand over. You got to cover that. Or maybe the agent even tells them that uh, with bad information. And it's not always true. Yeah. Um, you're, you don't know what you got to cover until you get the appraisal. Right, right. Right. And do you guys know, we always make sure we get that back in 72 hours if we have an appraisal gap. Exactly. So that we know what we're dealing with. So speaking of appraisals, what do you guys think is going to start happening here as the market slows down and cools off a little bit with appraisals? I mean, obviously we're looking at comps from now, you know, six months ago, right? The market's changing. Sellers are pricing their properties off of those comps, but things are, you know, moving in a different direction a little bit right now. How do you think that's going to go down? I think for the next 30 to 60 days, you still benefit from said comps and you're probably getting properties appraised for more than you put them under contract for in some cases, but just because, you know, appraisal is interesting. You're trying to pr- show a price today based on past data or maybe in a price forward yep. based on past data. I just had one for a client who's doing a, um, a DSCR loan for a purchase and it appraised like a 675 purchase and it appraised for over 700. And their expectation wasn't that, I mean, they were just happy to get it where they did. Yeah. Uh, and it really doesn't change much other than that. Maybe they've got a little equity, got but equity, um, yeah. yeah, I think that, there's still going to be some benefit, but then what happens in April, uh, late July, August, September is if you're listing based on the price your neighbor got in the spring, you're not going to touch it. You're not going to touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that uh, I want to talk about and put you on the spot a little bit, Joe, um, some new loan procs and lending programs. And so this is again in the shifting market, like the market changes and there's two things people can do. They can sit there and say, Damn it. Well, I missed the boat. Things don't work like they did 100 days ago. Things I can't are do anything yeah. now. I'm done. And that and that's not like the winner investor mindset, to be just very blunt. The, the other thing is just, well, okay, great. The market's changed. What opportunities that present? How's the market? How's everyone going to change and adapt to that? And one of the things I have been looking forward to seeing is just kind of, hey, what are the kind of new lending programs out there? How's that adapt? I mean, we all got very spoiled. They were with like very cheap, you know, yep. under market rate, 30 mm-hmm. or fixed loans. Those uh, grave days are over. But Joe, you've rolled out some new loan programs and you mentioned one to me very briefly about, you know, some steers, uh, some uh, reduced interest rates for a couple of years, mm-hmm. some HELOCs now. Give us a rundown like how you and Castle and Cook are changing yeah. and just how all that adapts with the market. Yeah, so we now have an in-house HELOC product for your primary residence or your second home. We also have an in-house home equity loan for your inv- uh, primary residence, your second home, or your investment property. And let me give you just some quick details. As you guys know, if you go to your local bank or credit union, most of the time they'll give you a HELOC to maybe 80% of the value of the home, Mm -hmm. maybe 85. We'll give you a HELOC on your primary residence up to 97% of the value of your home. So if you buy a home today and you put 20% down, I'll give you a new HELOC next week up to 97% to take all your cash back out. All right. Now let's also say you buy a new investment property and you put 25% down. We can give you a new home equity loan. It's a fixed rate second up to 90% of your investment property. So you can take a large percentage of that cash back out and go buy your next property. 
Is there a season? So if I go buy a fourplex next week or close next Can't week. Can't do it on a fourplex. Okay. Well, so single, single, single unit condo. Home. Yeah. Single family condo townhome. Okay. okay. I go and there's a season period to when I close versus potentially putting on a second. No, sir. We'll do it right away. Now it's not, we're not going to give you the benefit of any appreciation. It's going to be based on your purchase price. Right. Right. But if you paid 500 for it and you put $125,000 down and you want to take cash out up to that 450, you know, 90% of your uh, value, we'll let you do that. Cool. One other thing I want you to talk about, because Preston mentioned to me briefly, you mentioned to me briefly, and I mm-hmm. want to make sure I get the facts for as I explain to clients. There's, I think this is for owner-occupant mm-hmm. uh, borrowers. There's some way to get a couple, a lower interest rate the first few years. Yeah. So kind of what Jenny was talking about with price reductions, if you've got a seller who is on the verge of doing a price reduction, which is easy to spot. Yep. When do price reductions happen? Day 15, 30, 45, 60, 75, and 90, right? You go in with your buyer on day 13, and you offer full price, but say, we want 3% seller concessions. So it's a $500,000 home. We're going to ask the seller to pay $15,000 towards our closing costs. You're pre-approved with us. Let's just say today's interest rate is five and a quarter, all right? Well, with those seller concessions, you're going to use those concessions that your first year, your interest rate is going to be three and a quarter. Your second year, your interest rate will be four and a quarter. And your third year, your interest rate will be five and a quarter. And then moving forward for the rest of your life, your interest rate would be five and a quarter. It would never change. We use those concessions to give you a lower monthly payment for those first couple of years. And here's a really important point. This is not an arm. It's not adjusting. It's a fixed 5.5% rate, but the seller is paying down your rate for the first year and the second year. It's a great way that you can still cash flow. Maybe if you're house hacking, right? And you're going to rent the first the property for the first year you're living in it, and you're going to rent out two bedrooms. Then when you move out, you're renting that third bedroom. You're still going to cash flow. And by the third year, when you're at the fully uh, full rate of five and a quarter, you've had an opportunity to either renovate the property or increase rents, and you're going to continue to cash flow moving forward. Yeah, I like this program a lot because obviously, you know, arms have become a lot more of a popular topic the last couple months here. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a blend of you get a little bit of advantage of the arm, a lower interest rate but it kind of takes out the interest rate risk as well. So it's a really cool option out there uh, that I've just started telling people about it and we're gonna be doing a lot more. Now, my plans in the future, we can sit down and do some more deal analyses and go through a much more like thorough yeah. overview of those loan programs. Great, great executive summary, so thank you. But for people out there, we'll be doing more cons in the future. Or if you're out there active, you know, reach out to Joe's office and they give you a lot more details and put it to your situation. And with that loan, are you qualifying on the lowest payment amount? No, you're still qualified on your full payment. Okay. So we make okay. sure that, that that you're not gonna be in yeah. trouble when you're three rolls around. Okay. And what would the uh, a thing that I've seen in the past is instead of using that 15 grand to buy down the first two years, you use it just to buy the loan down. Mm-hmm. So we could do we would, can compare that same thing. Yeah. So what would do you have a rough rough idea of what that would look like? Yeah. So maybe instead of being at five and a quarter, you know, you might be able to buy it down to uh, 4.5 or 4.375. Okay. And that's part so of what we look would at do. How long you're going to be in the property and yep. how long till you go get to that second that Joe was talking about up exactly. to 97%. <laughs> yeah. I guess the the biggest thing is about to say, oh, well, that's an option. You said that you go under contract, sit down and look. But if you want to do that loan program, you got to have that 3% seller concession. You want to get contract. the 3%. 
Yeah. But I, right now, this is the time you can get this that. This is the time you can get that yeah. because a seller would much rather give you a 3% concession than have to lower the price. And right. they might lower the price 25,000 rather than the yep. 3,000, 3%, 3 to, yep. depending on the numbers, of course. Yeah. Cool. One other thing I want to touch on while we're on here is adjustable rates. Creston and I had a great conversation the other day where people are looking at all these adjustable rates and there's all these little nuances and what about this and what about that? And he and I were talking about it. And one thing that I did not say because it occurred to me later, um, I've personally closed more than 4,000 transactions and I have paid off probably 800 adjustable rate loans. Let me tell you something that none of those 800 clients has ever said. I'm so happy I had that adjustable rate. <laughs> Give me another one. 100% of clients that have ever had an adjustable rate, when they're paying off that loan, they always say, I am so happy to be getting into a fixed rate. I should have done this originally. Really? Yes. I've never once, I actually went, thought about it and I, because you know, it's, it's a popular topic and we want yeah. to give out good information, Yeah. but just a very simple thing. I've never once had a client say, I'm so happy I had that adjustable rate. Well, the, so I, I've been thinking about a lot. I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm planning on buying another property too later this year. I want to buy a property cost save it, get some money back in my taxes next year. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do an arm. Just in my mm -hmm. mind, everyone else, you know, it's a good thing to look at. And my thought process, I have a bunch of properties, 30-year fixed, you know, in the threes, two to four percent interest rate, 30-year fixed. I'm like, great. I've got a very low interest rate risk on those. Maybe I can withstand a little higher interest rate risk of other properties. I have a blended portfolio of a very low overall interest rate risk. I'm curious, like your take on that. I'm excited to add you to my 100% track record. Of <laughs> All right. Decision. You know, my thought is on that. And, and when we, uh, Joe and I worked together previously, I said, Joe, I want the lowest amount down. I don't care what the rate is because at that time, the highest investor rate was say 5% or whatever. Yeah. And let's say today it's six or six and a quarter. Uh, if you're actively buying, the, the only way to scale is to have more money. So if you're buying to putting 25 or whatever, 30% down, you have less ability to do so. I'd be more interested in cash down than than the rate, I think. Yeah, that's, I'm always like just the leverage. How much leverage can I yeah. get? Yep. Like, I wish I could buy places 5% down as an investor. I'm not moving the properties right now, but yeah, leverage, leverage, leverage. For sure. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, guys, this is awesome. Uh, I feel like the more we do these, the more fun they get, the more we groove we get. I learned a lot today. So Jenny, thank you. Preston, thank you. Thank Travis, you. thank you. Joe, thank you. So everyone out there, if you guys need help putting together financing, a strategy, buying properties, reach out to us. We do a lot of deals together. You can see you all have the right mindset for how to get deals done, know what's going on. While we're looking out, hey, here's the pros and cons and always looking out for the best interest of our clients. So please reach out to me, reach out to any of our team members on here. We'd love to help you out. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Guys.